Welcome to the Canadian Urological Association Q&A series. Our topic today will be bone health management in prostate cancer with Dr. Luke Lavallee of the Ottawa Hospital and Ottawa Hospital Research Institute. The risk of skeletal deterioration or other bone problems like fracture can be significant in men with prostate cancer regardless of disease stage. However, bone-targeted therapies may lessen this bone complication. Studies suggest rates of osteoporosis screening in men on ADT are low. Why do you think this is? I think that physicians like urologists, radiation oncologists, and medical oncologists who manage patients with advanced prostate cancer receiving ADT have not historically been bone health experts. And as a result, they may not have bone health at the front of their minds when counseling patients. They may also not be as comfortable addressing bone health concerns with patients because it's not something that they've studied extensively or managed extensively. Furthermore, uh, these specialists also may have other priorities when they're chatting with patients about advanced prostate cancer, such as starting ADT and expectations around this treatment, the logistics of follow-up, and many other factors that come with their multifaceted and multidisciplinary care. So I think it may be that bone health, while important, often gets pushed to the side due to other priorities. Finally, there may also be a perception among some that screening for bone health and management does not uh, significantly impact outcomes. And while I disagree with this, I believe this may be a feeling of some. At what point and how frequently should patients be assessed for bone health? I think that all patients with advanced prostate cancer receiving androgen deprivation therapy should be assessed for and counseled about bone health. In terms of counseling, they should receive general instruction about lifestyle modifications and diet, such as pursuing weight-bearing exercises and balance exercises, optimizing their diet uh, to include sufficient amounts uh, or supplementation for calcium and vitamin D, as well as smoking cessation and alcohol moderation. Um, They should also be offered further uh, screening to assess their bone density which can be done through FRAX score or a KEROX score in combination with a bone mineral density scan. This should be done at the initiation of androgen deprivation therapy if possible, and this will help place patients into a risk category, either low, moderate, or high, which will help guide what types of therapy and follow-up they may benefit from. If a patient is at high risk of osteoporotic-related fracture after risk assessment, they would likely benefit from therapy to prevent further bone deterioration and strengthen their bones. If they're at moderate risk, uh, this is often a shared decision between patient and physician. If they're at low risk, usually surveillance is recommended. For follow-up, If they have low risk of osteoporotic-related fracture, they should receive follow-up risk assessment with a bone density scan every two to three years. And if they have moderate risk without treatment, they should receive follow-up every one to two years. Likewise, for high risk if they're not receiving therapy. How do SREs manifest, and what are the consequences of them on a patient's overall quality of life? Skeletal-related events, or SREs, can have a dramatic impact on patients' quality and duration of life. 
Scalable related events are those bone events that occur as a result of the cancer. And these could include pain at a metastatic site that uh, requires treatment with medication or perhaps radiation or a surgery. It could include a pathologic fracture, or it could include a spinal cord compression or uh, nerve system changes. And as one would expect, these types of symptoms or impacts on a patient can be dramatic. Uh, they could lead to lower quality of life, hospitalization, additional, perhaps unnecessary treatments if the event could have been uh, prevented. And I think very important for oncologists and neurologists uh, to consider one of these events could delay uh, or affect a patient's uh, cancer treatment as well, because if they are hospitalized or dealing with an SRE, they may either not be uh, fit enough to receive subsequent lines of therapy for their cancer or uh, may choose not to receive them because they are dealing with other uh, priorities. What is the risk of experiencing a skeletal-related event, SRE, in patients with metastatic castrate-resistant prostate cancer? These patients with metastatic castrate-resistant prostate cancer and uh, bone metastases specifically can be at quite high risk of a skeletal-related event. The rate is going to depend on the baseline population, how advanced their cancer is and how well controlled it is, certainly. Um, but in some studies of really advanced prostate cancer patients, the SRE rate can be as high as 50% over an observation period of about 24 months. So very high and not insignificant. When should patients be initiated on bone-targeted therapies? This is a very important question, and I think this is one that physicians who manage advanced prostate cancer often feel less comfortable with. So there are two general indications for men with advanced prostate cancer to initiate a bone-targeted therapy. One is if they have high risk of osteoporotic-related fracture based on risk assessment. And this applies to all men with advanced prostate cancer on ADT. The second is if they have castrate-resistant prostate cancer that is metastatic to the bone. All of these men should be offered bone-targeted therapy to prevent skeletal-related events. Do bone-targeted therapies reduce SREs in men with metastatic castrate-resistant cancer? Bone-targeted therapies, such as bisphosphonates or rank ligand inhibitors, for example, zoledronic acid or denosumab, respectively, have been shown in clinical trials to reduce skeletal-related events in men with advanced prostate cancer. So yes, these therapies are effective and uh, should be offered.